0: You're listening to SermonCast Media from Antioch Community Church in Wichita, Kansas. For more of our sermons, resources, or to support this ministry financially, see our website at antiochwichita.org. Uh, earlier in our marriage, start off on a positive note. <laughs> Early, <laughs> My wife laughs. She goes, oh gosh, here he goes again. Uh, earlier in our marriage, um, Jen and I... Uh, uh, we we're, were pregnant. I say we're pregnant. She was pregnant. I was supportive, very supportive. And um, unfortunately, uh, we ended up losing this first baby. A lot of you have heard me talk about this before. And when we lost that first baby, we were devastated. Um, and now Jesus has healed us losing that baby in many ways. It's, it's the actual event that ended up pulling Jen into Jesus and then her pulling me with a couple years of uh, frustration on her part, waiting for me just to fall in line and and to bend my knee to Jesus. So God used that whole circumstances, but we were so, 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 so devastated. Uh, And then when Jen got pregnant again, uh, I think like three and a half minutes later, I think that's what it was, something like that. We're, we're fertile myrtle type of people. Um, so Jen got pregnant again. We were so excited. We were so nervous. And our loss taught us something critically important. Um, we yearned for a baby because of the joy of parenting. We wanted to be parents. For some reason, we thought a baby would fix all of our issues, <laughs> which did not happen. Uh, but um, we longed and yearned for this baby because now we had had a hole in our heart because of loss. And we longed for that hole in our hearts to be filled. We yearned for things to be made right like never before. Then, when our son Kale came, woohoo, right over there, Kalen, we loved him and treasured him greatly. And it was, we so longed and yearned to see this little boy that was coming because we had a hole in our hearts. Now, the reason I share this exciting, positive story with you this morning, and it is positive, is that the season of Advent that we just jumped into directly coincides with this heart of yearning. Now, there's a definition for yearn. It's the name of our series we're starting today. It's you have an intense feeling of longing for something, typically something that one has lost or been separated from. Something that you've lost and been separated from. And so today we begin our Advent series for this for this uh, for this coming season. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about Advent. The word Advent means coming or arrival, and the season has a dual focus. We talk about this every year, and I need it every year. It comes from looking to the manger, and this first one that came, that was greatly anticipated, the King of Glory in flesh came. And then the part, part two of Advent is and just as much or more of Advent is looking towards the next coming of Jesus. When he comes again, it's yearning. It's a season of yearning, the fulfillment of the first yearning of the promises of God through his people, through the covenant of Abraham, where this little one would come and he would be the seed of David. And he would be the one that would come and set all things straight, he didn't do it the way they thought that he should have done it, but he did it the way heaven thought it should be done and brought the redemption of man through the blood of Jesus. The little one in the manger would go to the cross and the one on the cross would ascend into heaven. And now we look uh, focus our hearts and our eyes. We focus our hearts and our eyes on the coming again of Jesus. Now, I don't know last time you thought about the coming again of, of Jesus, but um, it's kind of a big deal. I would like to argue that if we are not consumed with the second coming of Jesus we're probably missing something we've got too many too many uh, irons in the fire in this side of heaven that would not let us remind ourselves that Jesus is coming again. Like literally this stuff will be done. And so every year we go through this in one form or another. There's different scriptures we use, liturgical calendar every year. But every year there's this sweet reminder of a needing to look forward and yearn and anticipate. When was the last time you yearned for the coming of Jesus? Often. Andy says often. Amen. <laughs> Andy says uh, right now. Matter of fact, if you don't quit preaching, I'm going to yearn right now for them to come. Um, so the centrality of our entire faith is who? Jesus, not me. Everybody say Jesus, not me. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life of, was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is our everything. There's nothing else in our in our geographical area, in our spiritual area, in our lunar area. Can I say lunar? our cosmic area that doesn't doesn't skirt around the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing comes in the middle where Jesus is supposed to be, amen? All throughout the Old Testament, people were longing and longing and longing and longing for Jesus to come, for Messiah to come. And as we celebrate Advent, which means Emmanuel, God with us, he stepped down out of heaven. God and the flesh came to redeem his people. They were yearning. Listen, every sacrifice, every single thing they did in the temple were all this precursor of this coming one. Like you said this morning, the blood that was poured out through every animal and every offering was all foreshadowing, types and anti-types, of what Messiah would do in one fell swoop as he came. And so the Old Testament, he was fulfilled in Jesus. Now the second coming, he's coming again. Listen, John 14, one through three, let your hearts not be troubled. Close your eyes for a minute. Listen. This is his words, the words of Jesus. Let your heart not be troubled. Let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God and also believe in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you, Michael, Tyson, Brandy? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. As we celebrate Christmas, uh, a tragedy of Christmas would be just to look at towards presents and stuff like we used to when I was a kid like man we had chocolate around the trees and I would just like that's part of the reason why I'm fat. <laughs> my mom would load the tree with with chocolates anybody else steal the chocolates off the tree funny thing is when you started doing it, it was okay because you can move them around enough to where it didn't look like there were <laughs> big enough holes and then when you got down to three or four left, you had to get like really creative, taking some of the tin foil and opening the wrap and just putting it up there on a hook. Maybe just so mom can't tell that you ate all the chocolate. Nobody else did that. It was just me. Okay. All right. A couple of you said, a couple of you said yes. <laughs> but um, I'm telling you, this is a sweet gift and a sweet reminder for us because uh, the reason why Advent, like God's people always forget That's one thing. God's people are always saved and loved by God. Here's another thing. God's people always forget. We're forgetful people. You see it all throughout Israel, see it all throughout in Egypt, and you see it all after Egypt, and you see it after the parting of the Red Sea, and you see it over and over and over and over again. God's people become complacent, and God's people start to whine, and God's people start to fall on other things in the Lord. That's why through the Old Testament, it was so sweet to have all these festivals and feasts. They seemed burdensome, but the point of them wasn't to be burdensome. The point was a remembrance jogger. And for us as New Testamental Christians, we need to have these rhythms in our life that remind us like, oh my gosh, not only do I celebrate Jesus in the manger, it's not just about a Christmas tree and gifts, although there's nothing wrong with that. I don't like Santa. Everybody knows that. Don't bring Santa around. We don't do a church Santa. That's just me. Sorry. Sorry. Um, just because, just because I think the fact that the centrality of Christ is the purpose. That's the only point. That's what I want my kids to know from the time they were born till the time they, to the time they die, is Jesus is he's not just a reason for the season. Jesus is everything. He's the reason for every breath I have, right? Jesus is everything and so the centrality of christ that comes in a manger but also to remind my heart that if i'm going to be honest gets sour gets lonely gets broken gets angry i need to concentrate on the fact that this isn't it this is only temporary And the coming one is coming for me matter of fact he just said i'm going to go make a place for you rob But my house is better than anybody else in this room He didn't say that, but I'm assuming he said that. So, one of our biggest blessings, I think, that's come out of COVID over the last year, how many of you have had a, don't even raise your hands, how many of us have just had a rough few years? We've had a rough few years. Here's why I think that in some ways, like I'm right there with you, and like, honestly, 2023 for Jen and I, and for many of us, has been harder than 2021. 2020 was a horrible year, but here's where the glory of God injects himself in this. It's like that disdain for what we go through here should not just bring disdain to where we become complainers and whiners and people that are negative. That disdain for the things that are here should make us long for the things of the kingdom more and more and more and more. You see, your sorrow can always be outpaced by the glory of God. Always His Sorrow, our brokenness, the emptiness in our heart can always be filled, but we have, to make, we have to make a covenantal choice that he becomes our hope. And so things suck. Things are going bad. COVID comes. People pass away. we got issues in the church, yada, 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 yada. You deal with those accordingly. You don't just walk around with your head in the sky, but you deal with those accordingly. But every time a wrench comes or every time a knife comes in your back or in your chest, it should make you long for that thing one of these days my heart hurts now I have blood coming now i I don't know what to do with myself I'm questioning things I don't I, God I don't know where 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 is this these promises you have to steer your heart and look and remember that literally one day he's going to pop in and every single thing will be done now I don't know about you if you have enough disdain I remember when I was younger I'm like oh, I don't want to die right away I just want to you know, i got, I got some things to do. I want to live life. Now that I've lived some life, you know, 47 years later, uh, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I just want to see Jesus. Man, I just want to see Jesus. Man, I want to be with Jesus more than anything. Got to have a deeper longing for something else. <sighs> what we yearn for will greatly affect how we live and what we live for. We say this thing every year. You understand that? What we yearn for will greatly affect how we live and what we live for. You understand what I'm saying? What you yearn for, what longs in your heart. If your number one, first and foremost, is relationships, if it's uh, fulfillment financially, if it's if it's um, marriage, if it's, if it's if it's if it's whatever those things are. If it's if, if whatever you yearn for the most, food, whatever it can be that will steal your life, steal, steer your life. It will steer your life. That's why in our hearts we have to purposely make Jesus the thing we long for the most. Amen? It's hard for longing. So our text today, you can open your Bibles. This is Matthew chapter 13, 24 through 37. It'll also be up on the screen. Mark chapter 13, 24 through 37. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Okay, we got it, all of you have phones. Does anybody have a paper Bible in here today? Justin, brother-in-law. Oh, yes, thank you. Two saints that get to go ahead of the line. Now listen, we'll start in verse 24. But in those days, after the tribulation, that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. So earlier in the chapter, here in Mark chapter 13, Jesus starts to go through some of the signs that we'll see in the end. and Here are some of them. Um, There will be many false messiahs, not just a messiah, many false messiahs. In verse chapter in this chapter of verse six, there will be wars and rumors of wars. In verse seven, there will be turmoil amongst the nations of the earth. In verse eight, there will be persecution of God's people. In verse nine through thirteen, Antichrist will come to power on the earth and declare himself to be God and be demanded to be worshiped verse 14 the earth will pass through a time of divine judgment jesus talks about this tribulation period in 14 through 20 heavenly bodies will fall from their places the sun and the moon will not give their light and the universe will be plunged into darkness verses 24 through 25 there'll be warnings of what's to come and by the way isn't it funny how advent when you think of christmas the Advent texts are actually ones about the coming of the end of the world. Hee <laughs> haw! Merry Christmas, right? And so, as we look into that, and then verse 26, it goes on to say, And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels to gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. So whatever generation this is, some say it's our generation. I don't know if it's our generation. Uh, I kind of hope it's our generation. If you go through the checklist of things that will be there, uh, I think we're checking off most of them. Some of you probably have some ideology politically that will say, heck yeah, the Antichrist is here. I'm not I'm not your guy for that. Uh, but, um, but we see these things coming to light. Whatever generation that is, they're going to see him coming on the clouds in power and glory. Can you imagine for a minute, when was the last time you imagine what it's like for Jesus to come back in the clouds when was the last time you thought about that just imagine literally right now boom sky opens up wide Trumpets sound in Jesus we see Jesus coming on the sky Woo! I mean literally if we were we were all in the same heart we could stop there and just worship right the God of heaven is coming back for us And in these days, Jesus sends his angels to gather what's his, you and me. You know, you've been on his heart. You've been on his mind. Longing for a reconnection with his creation, with his children, the ones, the very ones he died for, like you've been on his mind. He longs to be connected back to his sons and daughters. Now the day of the Lord is important for a couple reasons. Uh, it's probably one of the most important topics in all of the world because of two things. Number one, it's our homecoming, Revelation 21, 1 through 4, one of our favorite texts in the Bible. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth had passed away, and the sea were no more, <clears throat> was no more. And I saw a holy city a New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, "Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more; neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away." Can you imagine what would it be like to be in a time when there's no tears? There's no tears. There's no brokenness. There's no lament. There's no, there's no ministry, thank God, besides ministry to the heart of Jesus. There's no, there's no need for um, us to be separated anymore from the living God. Finally free. Talk about the definition of hope. Finally free. Just, I just close my eyes sometimes and I'm like, finally, and, and not just free of this world, but I'll be finally free of me. All the junk in my head. All the things that plague my mind. All the things that plague your mind. All the brokenness, all the knives, all the self-betrayal, self-inflicted wounds. No more. Can you imagine the hand of Jesus literally touching your face and wiping away tears from your eyes? I mean, it's what the scripture says, right? And if we believe it to be true in the scriptures, we have to believe it in our hearts that someday Jesus will touch your face and wipe away the brokenness. What a God we serve. The flip side of that, as we talk about, which is important for these texts, we can't just celebrate the, celebrate the good without seeing the destructive side of that day. The wrath of God is coming for those who don't believe or follow Jesus. Look at John 3, 16 through 18. Everybody loves John 3:16, But if you continue reading, it gets real, real quick. Not that the whole thing's not real. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. There will come a time where Jesus, as we talked about over the years, Jesus is there. You could run and be a punk fool for, for, for a large majority of your life, and you can hit your knee in your final days and your final sentence. Jesus will be there. Jesus is here right now looking and longing for people to respond to him, to come to him. If you haven't surrendered your heart to him, if there's anybody in this house today that hasn't surrendered your heart to Jesus, there's time. But there will come a day when there's no time left. My God, why have we taken hell and the promises of hell out of the scriptures? We cannot honor the fullness of what it is to be set free if we don't honor and know what it is to know that we escaped from something. It's hell. It's condemnation. It's eternal separation from God. The people in our lives will literally go there. We will literally go there if we have not surrendered our life to the Lord. So this coming day, with all this signage, all these things that are happening, one, for those of us who know Jesus, woo! It is freedom and redemption. For those who have not bowed their knee and made him Lord, it is the worst day ever. That should do something in our hearts in more ways than one. Amen? By the way, you still have time to surrender your heart if you haven't. Goes on in this little illustration in the text. Jesus says from verse 28, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know, the summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So simple, simple illustration. If you see, if you see the fig tree and it has a tender branch on it and it's coming, what's coming? Spring, right? You you know you know that it's coming. I don't have to get down to the deep ice Jesus of what goes on here. Literally, he's saying when you could tell that spring is coming, you should get ready for what? Spring. Thank you. You're just so helpful. Thank you very much. In this generation, he says, this generation, what generation? The generation that this is happening into and his word is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. He's saying, listen, when you see these signs coming, he's at the gate. He's at the very gates. If Jesus is at the gates, what if right now Jesus stands at the gates ready to come? What does it do and what does it change about how we live and what we love? It should change everything. If we know that Jesus is on his way, if we know that Jesus is coming, and by the way, how many of you in here know for a fact that Jesus will not be here tomorrow morning? Then I've got to ask myself, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like Jesus could be on the precipice, he could be right here. And I want to honor and glorify him in all I do. Scripture goes on in verse 32. It says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Who knows? No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when time will come. Uh, I understand that it's, it's cool, fun to get into some of these things and we look at the things of Israel and we're like, oh, 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 we're supposed to keep watching to be ready. Here's what it's not supposed to do. It's not supposed to dictate your entire life. Worrying about when Jesus is coming back. He just says no one knows. Only the Father knows when the Lord <laughs> when the sky will rip open. And so there's a lot of theology out there that spends a lot of time on this. I don't like the, I'm not dissing anything, but literally we can say, this is how I could simplify it. It's soon and be ready. I would rather focus and preach and teach and walk out a life of being ready than I would be being worried about when it's coming. Amen? Like, we want to be ready. We want to live lives that honor Jesus. We want to live like we know that there's no tomorrow. Isn't that some cranky song or something? Live like no tomorrow. Skydiving something, country song, something or other. Something about a bull or something, I don't know. Live like you're dying, something like that. Why does he not come yet, or why doesn't he let us know? Number one, I'm so thankful. Imagine if he said, hey, Jonathan, in October of 2027, uh, I'm going to show up on a Thursday, the 7th, we'll say, and that's when I'm coming back. What what happens to mankind in that kind of atmosphere? Huh? Party. Party, okay, a party. You're great, so there's good sides to it, chaos. What happens between now and then? Is anybody here familiar with the human condition? All right. <laughs> <laughs> is anybody here familiar? I would love to say we would all be, some of you would be like, are you kidding, pastor? I'd be out there every day sharing the gospel and I would say that is amazing and you stir my heart for more, but I'm going to say likely what would go on with most of us is we're like, hey, we got a few years. We got some times, we can live well. I just I just think that he's, this, Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and nor either in my ways your ways, declares the Lord. There's a reason why it's in there, amen? He has a reason on not letting us know, but he's also being patient as we see through the scriptures and we read in places like Matthew 24, 14, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that anybody should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Why is he waiting? So people can know. So people can hear. Amen? He wants us to have a longing heart. As we turn the corner... Verse 34 in our scriptures of the words Jesus. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep, and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So a few things we could see in there. This illustration of servants in charge of the household. Master goes on a journey. Jesus is the one who's gone away, and so you could start to put this together in these pieces. The goal was to live for the master's house, um, fulfill his wishes and commands. He mentions some things here that need to be brought to our attention. Whose house is it? It's his house, right? The church belongs to Jesus and not a man, but he entrusted to each one of us, is in verse 34. Whose authority is it based on? The master's authority. We are to live and serve the authority of Jesus, and responsibility is always coupled with authority. Whose work is it? Whose work should we be doing, according to that text? His work, the work he has given us, the jobs he has given us, the, 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 the gifting he has given us, and we're supposed to stay awake. He says it three times, stay awake. There's a common theme in the New Testament over and over and over again. You'll hear through the apostles' mouths, stay awake. Be ready. Don't let your light go out. Fill it with oil. Over and over and over and over again, we have to be ready. Because Matthew 24, 37-39 says this, For as were in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. You ever ever thought about what it would be like in the days of Noah? Literally, like there's this weird guy out building a boat in the back for a long time. And all of a sudden talking about rain. There'd never been rain that fell from the heavens before. Water always trickled up from the ground. And all of a sudden, can you imagine what it was like to mock Noah and to make fun of Noah? You just got married to do whatever. And then all of a sudden you feel the first ever raindrop on your head. Think about that for a minute. Water starts to pour down from heaven. It's too late. So he says, in that day, it will become like that. And so I asked myself, okay, so if this is the case, then how do we stay awake? What do we need to do to stay awake? How do I make sure I'm not falling asleep? How do I make sure I'm not um, not becoming complacent? I don't want to be set off guard by when Jesus comes. Amen? I wrote down a few of these things last night, and as I was thinking about this and one is remind yourself you need to remind yourself that this is not it. God in heaven help us this is not it. Beloved 1 Peter 2.11 I urge you as sojourners. What is a sojourner? Somebody that's a traveler that's on a journey he says I urge you as travelers and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul every passion of our flesh we have we have a we have an agreement to come into or a disagreement to come into every situation that tempts our flesh what is the word supposed to be don't not don't just do it because you're going to get in trouble That's not how this sin and repentance things works. It's not because we get in trouble. It's because sin breaks the heart of God. And when it comes at us and against us, we're actually supposed to think of it from a sojourner standpoint. What does a sojourner do? I cannot let the things of this land bring me fulfillment as I journey through to where my home is. By the way, home is much better. What I have coming for me is much better. Here's another one get anything get rid of anything in the way romans 13 11 through 14 is a great text besides this you know the time the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed the night is far gone The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Whatever is in the way, between me and living in response to that day coming, the scriptures are clear, get rid of it. What do I want my hands to be in when the Lord returns? What do I want to be known for and doing when the sky cracks open (laughs) and the Lord of glory comes back? Listen to me, the relationship is not worth it. The old old life of living how you feel and feeling how you live, it's not worth it. Living to fill voids and gaps in your heart that only Jesus can fill, it's not worth it. It's not worth it on that day. It's not worth it when a day's not coming, if we have 200 years from now, because Jesus is the backfiller of all things that are holes in our heart, but it's definitely not worth it when you know that tomorrow the sky might crack open and the Lord of heaven might come back. It's not worth it we have to see every sin battle every sin struggle whatever you want to call it every sin situation as something that's either worth it or not worth it i don't want to be caught with my proverbial pants down when the lord comes back and last but not least plan and live your life around the return of glory man get up daily and remind yourself you have got to get up on a daily basis and preach the gospel to yourself, as we've said a million times over and over again. You know what I you know what woke up in my head this morning when I woke up? Old inappropriate songs from 40 years ago. Old punk rock songs playing in my head this morning when I got up and I'm like jamming in the shower, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it doesn't come naturally. My brain doesn't just wake up in the morning, and maybe some of you does. I'm not like, oh, the flesh has been working even while I was sleeping, right? And when I wake up in the morning, I need to, just like it says in, in, in Psalms 103, I, I want to bless the Lord, oh my soul. I want to do it on purpose. I've got to turn my heart, I've got to turn, I've got to grab my head and focus it on the things of God and like he's coming. I have to remind myself self daily. Another one is to keep growing. Some of us have become complacent in our faith. We don't have any challenges ahead of us. Things to jump into, things to stretch ourselves to. We have to not get comfy. Another one is look at what's coming compared to what you have. You want to do a great way to have a great Christmas, regardless of how much stuff you have under the tree? Think about what's going to be underneath the glory of heaven when it comes back. Amen? We had a horrible Christmas a few years back where Jen and I were broke as a goat. Are are goats usually broke? (laughs) It depends on the goat. Mm -hmm. That's why sheep go to heaven, goats go to hell. (laughs) Okay. Jen and I were broke as a goat, one of the broke ones. And um, I don't know about you, but I'm a a gift giver, and I love to give gifts, and... um, like when it comes to my kids, Jen and I have this conversation every year. She's like, here's what I want to get the kids. What ridiculous things do you want to get the kids? <laughs> so this is a conversation we have every year. And a few years ago, uh, we, we had nothing. It was a rough year like this year, and we had nothing. And um, I, I remember walking around sulking because I couldn't pour out all this stuff, this daddy gift giver stuff that I wanted to give to my kids because and even some of them were adults, like I didn't care, like I wanted to bless them and, and get stupid and, and we've learned from the gamut of the overkill when we were kids, like when my kids were kids like little, like we would go, I'm not talking stupid, like we would go stupid, stupid back in the day, right? And this is what would happen, my kids would open one toy, expensive thing, Woo-hoo, that's cool, and then they'd move on to the next one, they'd open it up, that's cool, and they were, they were literally, it was overwhelming for them and they were ungrateful. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just blessing them with gifts. The only thing that made me pull my head out of my rear was a reminder that when Jesus comes, simple things like gifts on the 25th of December will have no bearing on the glory of God. And I have to remind my kids of that too. Amen. Amen. I think that a lot of us battle with hopelessness. I think we get our eyes so tuned into what's going on in the world and what's going on in front of us that we tend to lose heart. And what I'm saying is you need to kickstart the yearning of your heart and focus on the cross. What we yearn for will greatly affect how we live and what we live for. As we go into a time of worship here, can I just invite you in to, to let's do this. Look at your neighbor, say, let's not play church. And let's do this. Come on. I mean, we're tw- I mean, some of us have been walking with the Lord for a long time. How many of us would confess that things are going way too fast and we need to slow down and remember the Advent season? Can I just, can I just give you an invitation then, in right now, man, just to get with Jesus and set your heart straight? Man, this is just like an open offering. I just want to gift you that before you go outside, before the lunch rush happens, before the Chiefs game, God bless them, happens today, whatever it is, can we just stop? And why don't we worship and reassess our hearts? And why don't we do some repenting? Jesus, my mind has been on my kids. It's been on the stuff. It's been on the job. It's been on the brokenness that we're dealing with. God, it's been on all these things. And Lord, I wrangle and wrestle my heart back to you. Jesus, that's our cry. Our heart, Lord God, is that we would be men and women of Advent, not just a season, the people who remember and yearn for you well I think about the song Lord I want to yearn for you I want to burn with passion some of us in this room Lord Jesus this morning come and confess we have been going way too fast and unfortunately one of the things that get left out on these journeys of going too fast is you Lord, come back and be the Lord of our everything. Lord, we come with a deep repentance. Lord, we want to live like we know you're coming. You're coming for us, you're coming to get us. You promised, and you've never broken a single promise. You are coming again on the sky and I don't know if I'll be there in that day or be coming with you whatever it is, Lord Jesus, but everything now fails in comparison to that day. Every broken thing and every even every good thing on this earth fails in comparison. Jesus is going to touch our face. Jesus come and touch our faces this morning. Come on Lord. Lord, we pray for a touch from you this morning. Give us a little, give us a little trailer of what's about to come. Lord, we pray that if you come tomorrow, glory to heaven, and if you don't, Lord, pray that we live like it is. And we ask this in Jesus' holy name, as church said.